Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Oh, well, how are you doing today? Good. Well, it is good to be back. We had a, uh, some great speakers the last couple of weeks, didn't we? Uh, yeah, they did a good job. You can give them a hand. Just don't clap with too much enthusiasm. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, uh, that was great. My uh, uh, wife and I, we got a little time away as well. Um, and I was thinking a lot about the topic that we we're in in this series and that I'm gonna finish up next week. No wasted days. And really when we talk about this, it's not this uh, neurotic uh, desire to make every second full of activity. It's getting more uh, out of our days. And, and we have plans and God will put these plans uh, in our hearts or maybe we just come up with them on our own. And oftentimes these plans get interrupted. Or maybe we decide ourselves to delay them. And so that's really what I wanna talk uh, about today as I talk about the pause button that can be pressed in our life. Uh, one, of, one of the things uh, my wife and I did when uh, we had a little more time off, even uh, last weekend we were, we were in town, uh, but decided to go over to, into Seattle on a Saturday, usually because of Saturday night services in Redmond. Uh, I don't do that, stick closer to home. And so uh, we were driving over, uh, and what started out to be a pretty good day, and uh, then there was a little bit of an argument, and then one of us wasn't, uh, you know, talking to the other like a little petulant child. <laughs> that was me. And uh, so, uh, and then it got, went a little bit worse because as we're going into Seattle, we're getting uh, off the uh, off ramp onto 45th Street, uh, we get in a wreck in the intersection. And I know the two questions that everyone's gonna ask. Yes, everyone was okay. And yeah, she was driving. Uh, kaboom, there goes the bus. Anyway, so uh, uh, we, we got in this wreck and my wife is the most honest person in the world. And so we pull over to the side and uh, there's a little parking lot. Uh, both cars are there. My wife gets out of the car and what are you not supposed to do when you get in a wreck? Yeah, you're not, she says, I'm sorry, are you okay? It must have been my fault. But at that moment, I am full of the Holy Spirit. I am, even though we had been arguing and I just, you know, I'm, I'm like, hey, people getting wrecks, it's not a really big deal. Uh, so I go over to the guy, he's pretty angry uh, at us. And I see one reason why he's angry is uh, he's uh, an Uber driver. He had Uber and Lyft uh, on his car. And I'm thinking, okay, now not only are we in a wreck and the guy's gonna probably claim lost income, but I'm just like, hey, you know, the sun is shining in Seattle, things like this happen. And uh, he's like, well, uh, yeah, uh, 
I think we need to call the police. And I'm like, okay, now not only is our insurance gonna go up, and now my wife's gonna get a ticket, and I'm like, uh, hey, you know, of course you can call the police if you want to, uh, but you know, we have all our insurance stuff here. And he goes, well, I'm gonna have to call Uber because I leased the car from them. And so he's calling Uber and sort of stamping around, and my wife is apologizing for, uh, you know, wrecking his car. And so what I do is I go for a little walk. I walk to the intersection where this happened, pretty major intersection. And, uh, you know, he's scowling at me. And then I, I walk back from the intersection, and he's going like, we have a problem. I said, I know, I think we have another problem. See, the lane we were in was turn or go straight. Yours was turn only, and you went straight. The wreck is your fault, actually. <laughs> and uh, so he walks over, and he goes, it was my fault. I said, hey, that's okay. Hopefully the police will be here soon. He goes, oh, no. Uh, uh, we don't need to call the police. And I said, are you sure? Because a few seconds ago, you were demanding uh, we call the police. And uh, anyway, so even a wreck can somehow turn out to be not that bad. <laughs> well, uh, when, we, when we're talking about the pause button, we're not talking about little things like that. Uh, we're talking about really the big things uh, in our life. Jesus, oftentimes, he meets us in those seasons of waiting. But there are other times where God uh, encourages us to act. I love how it says it in the message version. Uh, Jesus puts it this way. Jesus said, no procrastination, no backward looks. You can't put God's kingdom off till tomorrow. Seize the day. And I want to talk about those times where we've put things on hold that God hasn't wanted us to put on hold. But it happens for a reason uh, why we get stuck. Here are some that I've thought of. One is just difficulty. We run into a difficult season in life and we, we hunker down. Uh, and that's normal. Maybe uh, it'll happen during a family crisis, an illness, uh, something of your own making. And it's normal to get there, but it's not helpful to stay there. Sometimes we have a legitimate excuse for pressing the pause button, for being stuck. But I know that for some of us, we've maybe pressed that a little bit too long. And it was something that maybe someone else did. Maybe someone, you were in a marriage and someone walked out on you. And you're saying, hey, I just... It's hard for me to see anything clearly now. And, and I don't get everything you're going through, but I know that, that God still has something for you and that maybe, uh, maybe it's time to say, okay, God, what's next? There's also competing priorities. Uh, we, do, we do this in our spiritual life, right? Uh, that, that we, for example, I believe that most people want to know God. Most people want to follow God. But in uh, a few weeks, what happens? Uh, fall 
Bort, start again. And I know it's going to be hard because I don't know how it happened, but a few years ago, uh, Lucifer became in charge of scheduling team sports. Did you know that? That Satan's in charge of that now? Uh, yeah, and it's a lot of them are on Sunday. And uh, so it's, uh, that's why on the Redmond campus, there's so many services. But there's these competing priorities that we have. Another thing that can cause us to, and this one's a little more counterintuitive, is success. Success in one area of our life can be the enemy of progress in another. I've seen this happen to people where the career is going quite well, thank you very much. But then when it comes to spending time with family and developing those relationships, we try to do it on the fly and it just can't happen that way. Or maybe we have great friendships, but we haven't worked on that friendship, that relationship with God. And then there's partial commitment. Jesus, uh, he tackles this one uh, again and again. We uh, make a commitment as long as uh, there's time, there's not too much resistance, there's not a solar eclipse to drive down and see in Oregon. You know, we have this commitment, but it's not a full commitment. I mean, I know how that is. Think about it in those very various areas of your life. Uh, someone asked me, uh, they said, oh, did you lose weight again? I said, yeah, if you've been around here for a while, you've seen you know, me fight this battle because I am totally committed to eating right, unless you have some Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I am totally committed to exercising, unless it's, that bed gets too warm in the wintertime. And see, we have this partial commitment. And now, when it comes to uh, some areas, it's not gonna be very impactful. But Jesus, as he talked about our life with him, our spiritual life, the thing that drives everything else, one of the things he makes very, very clear is that partial commitment will not produce the results that you want in your life. And it really is not going to help you develop that relationship with God. Jesus talked about this again and again. In fact, the section that we're gonna look at uh, actually, the, you know, the section titles in the Bible, by the way, weren't put there by the original authors. That's not sacred text. The rest of it is. It really is inspired by God. But, but soon as they got to this section, uh, they put the cost of following Jesus. And so here's what we read uh, in this passage. When Jesus saw the crowds around him, so he's got a big crowd, right? Jesus is doing a great job He's like, you know, building his brand. People are coming. And uh, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And then he starts teaching. Uh, then a teacher of uh, the law came to him and said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. So get that. Jesus is saying, uh, this person, all the people are coming around, they're saying, we want to follow you, Jesus. And he goes, yeah, you know what's going to happen is you're probably going to end up homeless if you follow me. And I'm like, come on, Jesus. You need a PR firm, help you on the marketing, the sales pitch. He's saying, 
that there will be a cost. Now, here's the thing. Some people, when it comes to Christian faith, there, there's really two approach. There's one approach and say, man, it is hard, it is hard, it is hard. And I'm like, that's partially true, but that's not the whole truth. And the other one is, you know, even though grace is a free gift, a relationship with God is free, we'll just say, there won't, there's really, you know, it just is just a simple decision, there's no cost. And that's partially true as well. What Jesus is saying is this. He's saying that there is a cost, but the cost is worth it. You think about that in your life. Uh, if you, right, there are a lot of weddings, uh, people we know this summer. And uh, when you get married, uh, there's a cost to that, isn't there? Uh, that there's a cost, you know, you give up some of your freedom and all of that. But you're not begrudging the cost. By the way, if you are begrudging the cost, don't get married. Uh, you're saying, of course there's going to be a cost, there's going to be sharing. But that cost doesn't seem like a lot. Because for anything I'm giving up, I'm gaining so much more. And so when Jesus gives the invitation to follow him, you know he's given an invitation is to, to pay the price that'll seem like nothing because he paid the ultimate price for us for our forgiveness and we get so much more in the process. And then it, and then it goes on, if we can bring the, the scripture up, it says, another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now that is a confusing statement, isn't it? Well, one, we, we know it, Jesus isn't saying, uh, th this is like why before zombie shows in The Walking Dead. I just want to let you know this. And so dead people can't bury dead people. Uh, so what is he saying? Well, people would often use this, uh, this statement, this phraseology, uh, when they'd say, uh, let me go bury my father or my mother. They'd say, you know, I really can't make a commitment now. Uh, I have to wait until they pass away and then uh, I can get on with this other part of my life. And what Jesus says essentially is you don't have to put me on pause. You can uh, follow me now when life is incomplete in other areas, when everything's not all wrapped together so easily. So my question for us today, and maybe for you, uh, is so what are you delaying? Is there something, and I'm talking about this, uh, you might think in many areas, but we're gonna hit the fall pretty soon. There's gonna be, there's this sense of momentum of trying things new, of moving forward? And is there something that maybe from the last season of your life that you put on pause, that God's telling you, hey, it's time to press the play button in that part of your life. Now, there's so many different aspects that we could talk about. But what I want to consider from a biblical perspective is sort of a right now action plan. 
As we move into the fall, and especially as you consider your life with Christ, is what would it look like to press the play button in certain areas of your life? The first one, and this seems a little cliche, but then I'll get down to what I mean in it, is simply to be open to God. Uh, This is where we move from intention to action. We see this in the Bible as Jesus called people to follow him. We read in Matthew 21, 22, it says, uh, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately, and will you circle immediately? They left their father and they followed him. Again, if you get the full impact of this, they're, they're really packing up their business. They were fishermen. And for them, that wasn't too high of a cost because the gain was so much greater in following Jesus. Now, we don't see the motivation of their heart. We don't see all the struggles they went through. But when they did the cost-benefit analysis, they said, hey, we're gonna give you our yes. One of the things we say here at Timberlake is we like to say yes to Jesus even before we know what the question is. And that means is that we just have this yes first posture to God. I had the opportunity uh, to be, we, we have on all our campuses, but uh, this one was on our Redmond campus, a volunteer party uh, here this last week. And uh, yeah, you can see a uh, packed out room, hundreds of volunteers, uh, actually just a fraction of the people who serve at Timberlake Church. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, if you missed that one, we're gonna have another one in January. I hope you come to it. And there was this one point that I really thought was a holy moment in a sense. You had people who are brand new to the church and they're finding their place to serve and they're serving. And then uh, Pastor Shane, the the Redmond campus pastor, he says, how many of you served, you know, uh, one year or less? And then he went through it and, and he went through every year and he had people sit down afterwards. And... Then we got to, you know, 15, 16. The church is 28 years old. And there's point, he goes, how many of you have been serving for 22 years? And there was a group of people. And when they sat down, the room went crazy. Everyone clapping for them. In 23 years, in in 28 years. And people who invested their life And they've seen the fruit of what God's done because they said, hey, the the cost isn't that great and just look at what God is doing. The stories have changed lives. We see this this responsiveness to God in the book of Acts as well. We read this, it says, then they spoke uh, the word of the Lord uh, to him and all the others in in his house. This is uh, a jailer. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. See, he has that, hey God, what do you want me to do? It's like, well, if you say yes to Jesus, you're baptized. And he said, I'm totally gonna do that. And he just follows immediately. I don't know about you, uh, but sometimes my response is a little more tepid. 
Uh, I was in a meeting, and uh, this was with a group of churches that we're associated with. And in that meeting, uh, we were uh, told about Union Gospel Mission, which we financially support uh, as, a, as a church, great ministry. They've had some uh, you know, challenges, a little less funding coming in. And so they've made some decisions of areas of ministry that they're going to focus on, primarily addiction and homelessness, and some of the educational programs are no longer going to be able to do. Unfortunately, that happened quite quickly. And uh, one ministry that we support, Nor Northwest Urban Ministries, uh, had lost its funding, and, and Union Gospel Mission uh, made up about 80% of their funding or, or so. And uh, as we were talking in the room, someone said, well, yeah, that's too bad. And then uh, another person, leader of the group, said, yeah, well, maybe we could uh, give them enough money to where they could continue uh, for another month because this, this, uh, this group, it, it ministers to kids in urban areas, not only the tutoring and feed them and all of that. And uh, then someone said, well, if you just help them out for a month, it's probably not worth helping out at all. And then the room got silent. And I'm like, you know, ever get that sense where God is sort of saying, you should do something? And I'm like, okay, God, this is cool. Hopefully someone else will do it, and then I'll say next time. That's what I usually do with God. And uh, then there's this sense, and I was thinking through ministry priorities and all of that, and I'm saying, well, well we've helped out them out in the past, so we can help them out again. And then I knew that not only that, that God wanted Terry and I to help out too. Like, well, and... So then they told the story of the 20 kids who had just come to know Jesus through that ministry. And it was one of those moments where I said, I, I don't want to miss this moment. Is there one of those moments in your life that you could miss and God wants you to make that decision? You know, there's more than just being generous or being baptized or even that first-time decision to Jesus. It's that posture of saying, God, I'm not going to press the pause button. I'm going to be open to you right now. Another right now decision can be to intentionally connect. We all make connections at some level, but are we making the right ones in the right way? Uh, see, there's uh, deep deep friendships, there's surface friendships, there's acquaintances, there's relatives, <laughs> there's uh, all of those kind. In fact, uh, uh, Mark Clark, who spoke uh, a couple weeks ago, when he was speaking, someone uh, sent me this message on LinkedIn, because I, I did a little intro and said, hey, I'm at a family reunion, and he said he overheard a conversation where uh, a couple people were saying, hey, they're at a family reunion. The one person said, hey, hey, I wonder which family. Is it Ben's family or Terry's family? And the other person said, well, it must be Terry's family because I know for Ben's family, they only allow two visitors at a time. <laughs> and I'm like, thank you very much, you know? And then so we, then we went to Montana, uh, uh, as I said, where the men are men and the women are too. It was really fun there. And uh, uh, my, 
my, her family are, they are very, very fun. Uh, and uh, we were there and, and they had been enjoying a beverage or 10 of their choice. And as they were uh, there, there's over a hundred of them. I mean, there are like tons of them uh, right there. And they're all sharing stories. And one person, uh, the, the, one of the Christians in the group, not, not a lot of Christ followers said, uh, oh, you know, so-and-so is not doing well. And uh, so-and-so said, oh, we should pray for her. And one of her older brothers, very gregarious, and he had been enjoying himself that evening. He goes, pray for her. I think we got a preacher here somewhere. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't sound exactly like him because I'm not able to slur my speech to that level. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and then at that moment, I got really, really small. I tried to hide behind my wife and all of that. And uh, so, cause he's like, hey, come on, you preacher boy, come up here. And so I, I, I prayed, prayed for her and, and all of that. And it was fine and fun. But then for the next three days, whenever something happened, he goes, hey, I think we should pray about that. Where's a preacher? And then uh, finally, here's how I stopped it is because uh, uh, I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to pray. He said, hey, we need to pray. And I said, certainly I will. I put one hand on his shoulder, the other one on his forehead. And I said, Lord Jesus, please help him. <laughs> help him in his life, in his sobriety. No, I didn't say that, but I should have. Uh, and, you know, it was one of those. See, we think of awkward situations oftentimes when it comes, when someone says, hey, what about community? What about this sense of connecting with other people? And that's really what, not what it's talking about in the scripture. It says this, and this is often read at weddings, but it's actually, uh, it's okay to read in weddings, although it's really not about marriage. Ecclesiastes 4.13, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What it's saying is don't go through life alone. Now, like I said, you can apply it to marriage. That's not about marriage. That's about friendship. That's about having a coworker, like someone who is on your side, who's with you and for you. And those relationships, I got to tell you, they don't happen by accident. You want to find out? Move from your job. Sometimes those acquaintances, they will find out where the, where the friendships are. Some will be great friendships. And one of the things that I, I think is that uh, we, we need to, as a church, be intentional about that. In fact, uh, in the fall, uh, we're doing two new series, just to give you a little heads up. Uh, one is uh, a marriage series. Uh, where primarily marriage and relationships, we're going to hit dating too, especially week one. So uh, check that out if you want to make sure you hit that. And so as we're going through this, this series, uh, we're going to also go through the Song of Solomon in the Bible, which by the way, if you've never read that, whoa, that is a steamy part of the Bible. Uh, some of you are going to actually learn to love the Bible for the first time in your life. Uh, but it's all right there in the Bible, so we're going to go through that. Uh, and then after that, we're gonna, I'm going to go through a book of the Bible, through the book of Galatians. And we're going to have a group series around that. 
I just feel like it's one of those times, I've, I, I've done this a number of times, where not only it's important to connect in groups, but that we would learn and grow together as a church and grow in God's grace. And so here's what I'm asking you to do, is to not sit on the sidelines this time. Some of you have been here and you say, I've been here for nine years and I've survived every group's push there has been. Well, uh, we have about adult attendance, about 80% of the adult attendance is connected in some way in a group. Here's the problem. You want to know the good news, bad news? The, the good news, bad news is there's about three to 400 more people a weekend attending the church than there was last year. The, the only bad news part of that is that we need people who are willing to open up their hearts and homes uh, to host a group. We even do video. You don't even have to teach anything. We have video teaching if you want to use that. We provide the questions, all of that. And so as we talk about intentional connection, I want you to make that connection. But for some of you, it may be about you making space for other people. And I pray that, that in fact, on your connection card, one of the options is I'll host a group. And all you're really committing to is going to an orientation and seeing uh, if that's for you. Uh, because when we connect, we grow. A third right now decision is to stop delaying forgiveness. Most of us would agree that forgiveness is a good thing. Uh, we would vote for it, but we say, hey God, I wanna hit the pause button on this one. And I've heard this and I think I've said this right now is I wanna forgive, but I can't right now. And then I'm confronted with what it says in Colossians 3.13. It says, bear with one another, forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Well, how does the Lord forgive me? He gives me, forgives me freely of his grace, completely and immediately. And it doesn't mean you're gonna work through every issue. But one of those right now decisions is to not let bitterness from the last season go into the next season of your life. Oftentimes we do that and you think that maybe and somehow you're, you're doing something to, to deal with them and really most of the people that we're bitter against don't think about it that often. And when we can let go of that, we can grab hold of God's future for us. And that's really the fourth right now decision and that's to dare to hope again. It's normal for all of us to hit the pause button, but as I said, it's not helpful to stay there. The book of Psalms is one of the greatest books of the Bible. It's a, a devotional theology of sorts in which uh, the writers, mostly King David, they, they say what they've learned about God, their experience with God, their prayers to God. Psalm 77 is really a hard one to read in many places. The first part, don't put it up on the screen yet. It's not in your uh, notes. It starts out like this. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. I would not be comforted. That does not sound like a good day, does it? And then he, as he's praying to God, we read in Psalm 77, 12, that he starts to remember what God's done. And he said, I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. And he starts to hope again. He starts to remember that what he's gained by following God 
is way greater than any price he's paid along the way. There's a story, actually it goes way back uh, to the Second World War of a lady who was a, a missionary, uh, if, I, if I, Gladys Allward, if I get her name right. Uh, and she uh, went to China and was uh, sharing the gospel with people. And uh, as a war came, she was there. She was actually uh, British. And uh, as China began to be invaded, uh, they knew it wasn't gonna be very good for the kids. In fact, there's a movie made about this, uh, an amazing true story. And so instead of letting the kids be suffer and be abused, she leads them out of the city and away. And as she's leading them, it's not too long and they're, they're young and they get tired and they're out of food. And she, she starts to show her sense of despondency. And one of the uh, young girls tries to cheer her up and she goes, you know what this is like? This is like that Bible story you told us. You're like Moses and you're leading us into the promised land. And she can't even fake it. And she goes, I hate to say it, but I'm no Moses. And the little girl doesn't miss a beat. She goes, I know that. I know you're no Moses. But Moses' God is your God. And he's the one who delivered them. And one of the things when we get in that place where we're, our right now decision is we want to hope again is we need to remember not only who God is, but who he wants to be in our life. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.